0: This podcast contains advice that should never be followed, spoilers you'll wish you hadn't heard, and language you wouldn't teach to children.
1: When you've been cooped up indoors, and quarantine bites, it's time for Agony Agony Art, Art. Lockdown Lights!
0: Welcome to Agony Art, the Agony Art podcast in which we try to solve your problems, not using our own brain power, but instead by telling you how those problems were solved in the great art of our age. And when we inevitably fail to solve those problems, at least you're left with a fun reading, listening and watching list to enjoy in your spare time. My name's Aaron. I used to write books and sometimes I read them as well. And I've got Carl, our film fan, and Liam, our music maestro, here with me in our virtual studio on the internet uh, to record Lockdown Lights 10. We're in the double digits. Ooh. I'll give you double digits. <laughs> <laughs> Not again. <laughs> How's it going, lads?
2: I think I think we're uh, we've hit a milestone here. Who'd have thought all those weeks ago? I know. In lockdown, like one. Well,
0: this is episode seventeen of the podcast, though, because we also had seven normal episodes. We've actually had more bonus episodes than real episodes now. This is the new normal. <laughs> yeah. we found it. We know what it is. <laughs> Well, funnily enough, Carl, it's funny you should say that because this is the weird bonus 30-minute version of our standard one-hour podcast and a couple of episodes we mentioned we would have an internet vote on what the listeners preferred. Do you want to hear the results of that vote?
2: No, I think we should just continue with the 30-minute episodes.
0: (laughs) So uh, the listeners will know that Liam was heavily emotionally invested in, <laughs> <laughs> in thirty minute episodes and me and Carl were kind of we prefer long podcasts, so we were on that side. The winner is, lads. One hour podcasts Get you. by seventy one percent of the vote. Oh fuck you Liam. Yeah. That's that's uh, <laughs>
1: that's quite a,
2: quite a compliment though, isn't it really? They'd rather yeah. listen to us for longer. I think think they're mad, but sure, we can do it.
0: (laughs) Well, we were worried, weren't we, that the reason that shorter podcasts were better was that we couldn't keep up the entertainment for an hour, but clearly... Should you have um, included an option for no length at all? (laughs) (laughs) One hour, 30 minutes, or stop
3: the podcast? (laughs) There's a a wrestler on Twitter that keeps... um, He left WWE and... um, he keeps doing a poll on where he should go next and he keeps including retire and retire keeps winning.
0: <laughs> um well well that's why we didn't include that, Carl. Yeah. Our self esteem can only handle so much <laughs> knocking. <laughs> Maybe that's why people were voting for an hour. Yeah, make an hour long podcast that I won't listen to. Let them waste their time. <laughs> why not? <laughs> yeah. Uh so sorry, Liam. I hope you don't quit in anger, but...
2: This is my last podcast.
0: (laughs) (laughs) So before we begin, I want to make it very clear that we're not really here to solve your life's hardest problems. All our submissions are certified 100% trivial and or fictional pickles, and our advice should almost never be followed. We're really only here to have fun, so if you're having a really hard time, please go to our website for guidance on who to turn to. That's agonyartpodcast.com. So, now that we've got that out of the way, let's get on with it. Here is our first problem of the day. I love my other half to bits, but every night he keeps me awake for longer than I would like with his incessant snoring. What should I do? Do either of you two snore?
2: Yeah, this hit quite close to home for me, actually. I I seriously wondered whether it was actually my other half who sent this one in.
0: <laughs> yeah. Well it was signed off from Liam's wife. <laughs> my I, I do, but only
3: if I'm laying on my back. Yeah, I'm the same. So I get told to move in the middle of the night. Mm.
0: Very, very yeah. aggressively. <laughs> <laughs> I sort of do when I'm laying on my back, but it's not snoring, it's my wife says i do this, I go <laughs> <laughs>
1: I can't even snore.
0: <laughs> you've got a Z so, uh, all over the place <laughs> she tells me to move as well so maybe it's um aging man thing or maybe it's partners you know she just live with it if everyone
3: does it you know, <laughs> just get over it yeah.
2: <laughs> so what you're saying is <laughs> this is your problem and we're not going to help
0: <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah um I did think I would start this one with, Not with my example, but just with a quote from the great Terry Pratchett, author of. Johnny and the Bomb. Yeah, probably. (laughs) I had had the audio tape when I was a kid. I loved that book. The quote is A marriage is always made up of two people who are prepared to swear that only the other one snores. (laughs) (laughs) That does happen. Who wants to start? In fact, who can we think of? It's Terry. (laughs) Terry. Yeah. Alright. Who's Terry? <laughs> Terry
2: Pratchett. Uh, oh Terry Pratchett, sorry. I we, were, you
0: meant... we were thinking of a anonymizing <laughs> name and it's Terry and his partner, Johnny the Bomb. Carl, <laughs> 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 do you want to start? Yeah, I'm happy to kick off. So yeah,
3: interesting problem I think every couple suffers from. My example is a kind of like extreme version of how bad it could be. So 2014 is a film called Force Majeure. It's um interesting. It's called, It's kind of dubbed an internationally co-produced comedy drama because it's like set in France with Swiss, uh, Swedish. Sorry, sorry, Swiss people, Swedish people, and it is subtitled. So beware, listeners. You know, it takes some brain power to uh, watch it. <laughs> <laughs> so,
0: you have to be able to read. Which is why Carl couldn't watch it. Yeah. So someone told me about this film, yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Um,
3: So a quick plot summary, because I've had, um, you know, little feedback that I take ages to to describe a plot and it actually means nothing, so... (laughs) Um, a Swedish family go on a skiing holiday. Go on. I love it when we damage
0: each other's self-esteem.
3: Yeah. <laughs> That's what real friends are for. I can't do long plot <laughs> synopsis. I can't copy from Wikipedia. <laughs> what can I do? <laughs> um, yeah, so a Swedish family go on a skiing holiday to the French Alps and it's going well. The young children are really good at skiing, which gives me, like, um, makes me a bit jealous because I don't think I'd be good at all. <laughs> no, i've never been i don't know if you guys have been me neither um, no i don't think i would be though no so they're having a real fun time and yes you so you get a bit of the film of them just going about the day they're going up in the lift they're getting their stuff out of the locker the kind of the key event of the film is um, the family is sitting at a mountainside cafe outside where they can see the slopes and the mountains looks beautiful and then an avalanche starts in the distance and then people get up and film it uh thomas the dad he gets up and films it on his phone and then suddenly, it gets a little bit close, and then people start running, thinking the Avalanche is coming for them. And Thomas is standing up filming it, and his family are sitting at the table still, and he just legs it and leaves his family sitting at the table. <laughs> <laughs> and then, Fuck you! Basically. <laughs> and then it turns out that it was just kind of like... A false alarm. Or something. Yeah, like, it's a false alarm, and the Avalanche doesn't actually get them. <laughs> and kind of a fog dissipates, and his family just sitting there like,
0: did I? have... Like did the dad just fucking leave us? <laughs> <laughs> I like that. So they're they're having to deal with <laughs> dad would abandon us in a, <laughs> <Basically, yeah. laughs> a tragedy. And, and the shot is amazing because it's like a very
3: still shot of the avalanche in the distance and people running, and you just see the family, and then you just see him sheepishly walk back into shot, going back to his family. <laughs>
1: <laughs> <laughs>
3: love it um it's amazing yeah and so the rest of the film is about ebba um his wife coming to terms with the fact that he's a selfish prick to such an extent that he's only interested in saving his own worthless existence basically <laughs> and so it's a real black comedy because you can really feel the tension when you watch it you're like oh my god it's like almost <laughs> worthy, <cringe-worthy>, you know <laughs> so yeah it's brilliant and then so uh, Thomas actually denies. He said, "No, I didn't." He, he tries to say, "No, I didn't run off," because Ever keeps telling like friends about it. Like, uh, do you know what happened? Uh, is this acceptable? Do you think? And then he's like, "No." no. <laughs> he he keeps he keeps saying, "I remember it a different way." And then yeah. and then they're talking to their friend um, Matt, who's played by um, Tormund Giantsbane, <laughs> <But>, um, <laughs> and so um, they describe the incident, and then. Um, Max is like, oh, you know, people act differently in this situation, you know, and he probably didn't run off. Like, I, I believe Thomas. And then she says, Thomas, get the video that you took of the avalanche. <laughs> and, then, <laughs> and then you see him legging it. Uh, <laughs> and then Matt's is an absolute lad and he says, uh, maybe he was running to get a shovel to dig you out afterwards.
1: <laughs>
3: um, so. The point I'm trying to make is that, you know, if he just snores, because you said you love him to bits and he's a great guy. We well, didn't say he's a great guy, but I'm assuming he is. At least he's not a selfish prick that will leave you in a time of crisis. So I think um,
0: seek help. Like, you don't uh, know that, Carl. It might no. be just the tip of the iceberg. One minute he's snoring, next minute he's leaving you in a burning house.
3: <laughs> it could be. It
0: could be. But if it's just a snoring, I think you need to um, come up with some coping mechanisms. Perhaps...
3: Uh, Seek medical advice. He might have sleep apnea or something like that. Or just mm. flip him over like my wife does to me. <laughs> like a beached whale. Exactly like a beached whale.
2: <laughs> so, so Carl, what was the advice you were trying to take on board with that problem?
3: There's there's no real advice. It's more that it could be really bad. He could be a selfish prick. Yeah, if you think snoring's
0: bad. Mm.
2: That, that's that's not what, exactly what I meant. What I meant was you, you said that you'd been told something about the way that you deliver the advice that you were ta- trying to take on board.
3: Oh, you think my plot was quite long
2: still? <laughs> I'd say you're making slow progress. <laughs>
0: <laughs> oh, that no, um, as much as I love um, bringing each other down, <laughs> I'm going to be fair to Carl. That was much shorter. One of them was eight minutes, while it was just <laughs> the plot, not even the discussion of what it meant. Yeah, I thought that <laughs> was all right. That was succinct for me. <laughs> I, suppose, I suppose the
2: thing is, I only ever listened on the podcast, so. I don't, yeah. I don't hear all, the, all of the raw edits that, that Aaron or you don't out. listen during the recording. <laughs> yeah.
0: yeah, it's probably true, to be fair. Um, I'm going to take your point, Carl. And shove it and adapt it a little bit. I agree that um, snoring isn't that big a deal. In Stop Snoring, Grandpa, by Callie Mayer, which is a, ch- a book for children, no, five really. to six years. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> No one can sleep because of grandpa's snoring and it's a big problem and you know everyone's mad about it because they're not getting sleep but then grandpa is hospitalized and suddenly that sound that kept everyone up and made everyone annoyed is something they wish they could get back. They miss that noise because they're worried about their grandpa is in hospital. So very simply I agree with your point Carl. Snoring isn't that big a deal and if it was gone because your husband was in hospital then <laughs> you might miss it appreciate the snoring you just... if he was dead you wouldn't have it <laughs> exactly <laughs>
3: this
1: this
0: reminds me of one of
2: my dad this reminds me of one of my dad's catchphrases which is basically whenever he does anything that we don't like and we complain about it he says you'll miss me when I'm gone
0: <laughs> Meaning <laughs> Whenever, when I'm dead sort of thing <laughs> Yeah that is um, that is exactly It's not my dad doesn't phrase it like that He says uh, well one day I'll be dead and then you'll be happy <laughs> um, So yeah maybe you should just Appreciate how lucky you are to have your husband And if you Think about it and think actually It's not that much better than having a dead husband Then maybe you should just LTB Because you obviously don't love him that much LTB, L-T-B. Yeah <laughs> l t b that d h <laughs> the c f <laughs> um, the top review of this on a book reviewing site that I won't name was just a one star review from Lynn. It's Lynn, just man. one sentence too American for me to enjoy <laughs> 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 which I can totally relate to because you know when you're reading a book and you see that they've spelt color without a u mm. and you just have to burn the book. <laughs>
3: you just can't go on anymore. <laughs> I fucking hate that. I have to write, at work, I have to write the word amortization quite a lot, and um, it always autocorrects to a Z. I'm like, no, I'd rather have a red lion. <laughs> Get
1: out of here, Z. <laughs>
2: I think this all depends on, on, like, you guys have touched on how much this uh, is affecting you and how big a problem you think this is. Because you could do something very extreme here. You could consider taking a leaf out of Franz Ferdinand, frontman. Alex Kapranos's book. In the song "Live Alone" from their 2009 album *Tonight*, Franz Ferdinand, he suggests not living together at all. So we'll come back to that. I just want to briefly detour here, just to mention that I absolutely love this album. So this this was the third album they released, and and they they departed from their kind of jangly indie rock guitar sound in favor of like electronic elements and synthesizer, and it was right up my street. I loved it. So if you haven't listened to a Franz Ferdinand album, give this one a go.
3: You're listening to Desert Island
2: Discs. <laughs>
0: <laughs> I didn't know that they had a third album. They, they, I think they've had a few
2: since. I think they're still
0: going. I thought Franz Ferdinand had been killed. And <laughs> In 1914. <laughs> pretty much kicked off World War One. yeah. <laughs> While that is
2: true, <laughs> it's not entirely relevant. So, and I was looking into this album because... I thought, you know, I should probably do a bit of research here. And a a morbid fact came up, which I thought worth sharing, Um, because I'd I'd never heard this before, looking into the song. So for some of the percussion on the album, they reportedly used genuine human bones. So this came from an interview with The Guardian in 2008, and I I had to quote this, because it it was just so bizarre. The quote is, Nick had the hands and was clapping the bones together, Capranos said. The drummer, (laughs) Paul Thompson was working with the pelvis phone pelvis bone and a femur. We put the teeth in a glass jar and rattled that about. We smacked the ribs together and we got this really weird
0: fucked up kind of sound that was wicked <laughs> And these are the bones of Franz Ferdinand here. Yeah? <laughs> oh, <no, it's> <laughs> yeah And were they recorded in <laughs> third album from prison by Johnny Cash <laughs> <laughs> <Yeah. laughs>
3: It's it's very weird, isn't it? Um it's, anyway it's more than very weird.
2: But anyway, back to the song The lyrics, they they tell you The greatest love is always ruined By the bickering, the argument of living So I'm gonna live alone And you might think that he's suggesting That you just split up with your partner But that's not exactly what he means Because in the second verse he continues and he says I'm not saying that our love is the greatest But I'm in love with you and I want to stay in love with you So I'm gonna live alone So he's saying he cares about the relationship so much That he'd rather continue it living apart than then ruin it living together. So that's one way you can take it, but you know that is a bit extreme. So I thought I'd take inspiration from real life on this one. My other half has perfected the art of a manoeuvre that I like to call the rock the boat. The rock and, the boat baby. Yeah. So I'm not talking about the Hughes Corporation's 1974 disco hit here, Cole. Um, but I would it's like to. <laughs> but I would like to know where she got the notion. Because it's a pretty <laughs> effective one, right? <laughs> <laughs> so essentially what happens is whenever she notices me snoring, she'll just gently shake the bed. And and it's not quite enough to kind of fully wake me up and get annoyed about it. But it is enough to kind of stop me snoring temporarily and, and realise I need to like roll over. And we've kind of got to a point now where it just sort of works. So that's that's my advice. <laughs> Consider that one. How did so, she discover that? I like to think she just threw a tantrum one night and <laughs> yeah. flung her arms everywhere. And it just I reckon it's of years worked. of experiments.
3: Like every night she's trying something new. Electric shocking,
0: Liam. <laughs> yeah. well, that's good advice, Liam. Um, so we did a bit of victim blaming, me and Carl. We were basically saying uh, it could be worse. Get over it. Yeah. Stand by <laughs> But Liam's got some actual advice. You can rock the boat, but don't tip the boat over.
2: Yeah, tipping the boat over would be a bad situation
0: for everyone, wouldn't it? And if that doesn't work, then just move out. (laughs) (laughs) You can stay together, but move out. A
1: ranger came arranging to old town one fine day The townsfolk came to meet him, they heard what he had to say He said, I hear this town's got problems, some outlaws on the run And I've come to solve these problems With my problem gun But soon got to these outlaws about a ranger new in town And they soon came out of hiding to put this ranger down They laughed when they first saw him beneath the high noon sun But he soon stopped them from laughing With his problem gun Problem gun Problem gun Yeah, the ranger solved their problems With his problem gun
0: Moving on to problem 2 I can't switch off from work. Even at weekends, I'm always checking my emails to see if there's anything I'll have to deal with on Monday morning. I know it's unhealthy and I don't enjoy doing it, but I just can't seem to stop. Can you help?
2: I had a um a period between well, a few years ago.
3: Congratulations, Liam, your
0: first. <laughs>
3: my first, yeah. <laughs>
0: <laughs> Thanks, Carl. <God. laughs> Someone get a cork. <laughs>
1: Is this more stuff that we're cutting out? (laughs) No, this is staying in. (laughs) Our period stuff is our best material.
0: (laughs) So, so I I had a phase
2: a few years back where um, I, I installed Outlook onto my phone and during the commute, I'd be on my phone checking emails to see what people were saying and responding to things. And even sometimes on the weekend, I'd be looking at it. And then... A couple of years back, work introduced this thing where if you had Outlook on your phone, you had to accept this IT policy where they would be able to wipe wipe the phone of all of the contents related to work or something like that, and that could mean they also wipe your personal files. And I think that was the biggest favour they ever did me, because I'd uninstalled it and stopped using it. And ever since then, I just haven't thought about work at all out of
1: hours.
3: Hmm. I do. I'm a... I'm, I'm, um... One of these people that do think about it a lot. But my work doesn't always stop at like five o'clock. If you know like I can't leave work and leave it there. Like I've still got a mountain of stuff to do maybe the next day that I think about or sometimes like this last month me and my wife have been sitting in the living room after dinner, both working on our laptops, like until eleven o'clock. Which is not healthy, but also quite necessary at the moment. But I do at the weekends neither of us work and we don't check our phones because you know, you need some time off. Mm. So, uh,
0: we need a name to anonymise this person. And we can't use Carl, really, can we? Because um, we already <laughs> used flashy Carl for his worky Carl. <laughs> problem. Worky Carl. <laughs> <laughs>
1: um, who's a workaholic, then? Fireman Sam? I
3: don't know. I respect firemen, but they only work when I get a little alarm to say they've got to go to work. I don't think they're workaholics. They're not just putting out fires <laughs> in their own time.
0: Carl, you've just <laughs> upset. A nation of firefighters. (laughs) So Sam, we spoke about in Lockdown Lights 5, we discussed how you need to strike a balance between your hobbies and your work because it's important to focus on your work to keep your job because it funds your hobbies. But as much as it's important to keep your job, it's also important to keep your sanity. And you've got to realise that obsessing over your work won't necessarily make you better at your job or more successful and so I've got some examples from literature and I've mentioned a lot of these before but they're hugely famous people who didn't need to obsess over their jobs and they had hobbies and their work didn't suffer despite their hobbies so big examples from literature and comic books Sherlock Holmes one of the most famous detectives in fiction so you'd expect him to be obsessed with work And he was obsessed, but he also found time to take more drugs than a raver at a Prodigy concert. He took morphine and cocaine. So I'm not encouraging you to do that. I'm just saying, he had time for his hobbies. (laughs) He had time to unwind and not check Outlook. He played the violin as well, didn't he? Yeah. Bruce Wayne, incredibly wealthy businessman. And he doesn't check his Wayne Enterprise emails in the evening because he's busy smashing faces in. So he had a hobby. He had time for hobbies. (laughs) Is is Batman
1: a hobby? (laughs) Yeah.
2: Uh, uh, This has come up before, hasn't it? It seems like more of a vocation.
0: (laughs) Well, still, it doesn't pay the bills. Wayne Enterprise pays the bills, and he didn't have to, you know, check his emails at night.
2: What exactly does he do at Wayne Enterprises? Sorry to interrupt, but I feel like this is important. Uh,
3: He calls calls himself a playboy billionaire philanthropist, so I think he's just...
0: I don't think he does anything. He just... um, No, most of the time he just saunters into board meetings and says a clever quip. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, Christian Grey of Fifty Shades of Grey by E.L. James, another incredibly wealthy, successful entrepreneur who isn't constantly checking his phone screen in his spare time because he's too busy saying sexy things to Anastasia Steele like, You're not just a pretty face. You've had six orgasms so far and all of them belong to me. So creepy. What does it even mean? Oh, are you two not turned on by that? <laughs> what, does, what does he do when he stores these orgasms? Where does he put them?
3: How, how, how
2: does he store them in the first place? There's so many answer, unanswered
1: questions.
0: In. He's just got a load of empty jars.
2: <laughs>
0: these are my orgasm jars. <laughs> oh. Um, And we don't want to finish on Christian Grey because Christian Grey wants to finish on us. Oh, God. (laughs) (laughs) So we'll finish on Hercule Poirot. Even Hercule Poirot had time to unwind after work. He didn't check his emails partly because he couldn't. But sometimes he pursued hobbies which would help him with cases. For example, in one story, the murderer is apparently a magician. So Poirot starts learning magic to get inside his head. But he also had time for his own hobbies. He collected stamps. It's quite a boring hobby as well. (laughs) I'm not really up for that, to be honest. But (laughs) my point is, work will still be there in the morning. And you have to decide whether you're working to live or living to work. And if you're working to live then when are you going to start living if, as you're doing right now, you're spending your entire life working?
2: So I'd I'd agree with uh, everything you said there, Aaron. Uh, Well, not quite everything. I would also add, I think you should be careful here for a couple of reasons. Because number one is that you don't want to burn yourself out because you've you've already rightly pointed out this is unhealthy for you. And number two is that you might not be the only person that this is affecting. So in 1974, Harry Chapin... I think that's how you say his name, not sure. Released a song called Cats in the Cradle, which do you know this
1: song?
3: Sunrise, Sunset. Sunrise, Sunset. Cats in the Cradle and the Silver Spoon. Yes, we have no bananas. <laughs> <laughs> we
1: have no
2: bananas. <laughs> um so the line Cats in the Cradle and the Silver Spoon are in the song, but um it's it's not funnily enough, it's not the same song. <laughs> <laughs> um, this song tells the story of a man who is too busy with work to spend time with his son. And the opening verse sets the tone. Uh, it goes, There were planes to catch and bills to pay. He learned to walk while I was away. He was talking for I knew it. And as he grew, he'd say, I'm going to be like you, Dad. Remember that line. That line's important. So that's that's not the lyric. Include I, was, that? I was telling you that. <laughs> <laughs>
0: Are you when songwriters spoil the ending by saying "Remember this one"? <laughs>
2: and so, throughout the first half of the song, the, the choruses end with this line that goes, "When are you come coming home, Dad, I don't know when, but we'll get together then." And as the sun grows up, it's it's time for a bit of uh, dramatic irony because the situation flips around, and the dad <laughs> starts getting less busy and starts saying to his son, "Come on, let's spend some time together." And the son starts saying things like, Actually, I'm just going out for a drive. And in the final verse, he rings him up on the phone. He says, I'd like to see you, if you don't mind. He said, I'd love to, Dad, if I can find the time. You see, my new job's a hassle, and the kids have the flu. And he starts giving him all these excuses. And one of the final lyrics is, As I hung up the phone, it occurred to me, he'd grown up just like me. The boy was just like me. And then the drums kick in, and the chorus comes in again. It's great. Exactly. Um, I can feel it. <laughs>
1: <laughs>
2: yeah, it was it was Phil Collins all along.
1: <laughs> but, well,
2: so I thought this was quite a nice, or maybe not a nice story, but a very interesting story. And who saw that ending coming? So obviously we don't know the situation with Sam. Sam. <laughs> uh, but one way to motivate yourself to switch off might be to think about who your job obsession is affecting besides yourself and spend a bit of time with them instead of checking your phone for
1: emails.
3: My my little boy's got a book called um Emily Brown Elephant Emergency. Things happen in it. But there's an elephant and the mum keeps phoning and saying the elephant needs to have her tea, needs some wear some socks, needs weddy boots and then um at the end the mum doesn't ring and the ed Matilda, the elephant, is really upset. And it turns out the great grey busyness has got her and like there's a big picture of her in like a office building. It's like work, work, work all over it. It makes you feel dreadful, like um when I can't do things with my little boy because he's like, "Can you go do this?" I'm like, no, I'm working. Like he cried because I hadn't finished work the other day, and I was like, "The great great busyness has got me." It's horrible.
1: <laughs> is this is this That's a, a, a new example.
2: a new series of children's book or a new theme in children's books where they guilt trip the parents? <laughs> yeah, <laughs>
0: this is why Daddy doesn't love you, <laughs> <laughs> and you you have to read it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So, Carl is a real-life example of what Liam just said. Well, Carl's be- missing his son growing up. <laughs> that's not <laughs> quite true. <laughs> well,
1: well, at least um, you're working from home.
3: Well, that's helped quite a lot, actually. You know, we talk about this quite a lot, but yeah. So, I've, I've touched on this before. This is similar to... Um, I can't remember what episode it was, but um, I talked about Jingle All The Way in True Liars, where <laughs> um, people were too busy, focused on work, and they're missing out on... But wasn't it where um, they realised that their family's quite cool? So that was a problem, yes. wasn't it? Yes.
2: And uh, if yeah. I remember rightly, things happened.
3: Things happened in both of those films. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Quite similar things as well. So, a, a, a similar, and I also mentioned this film, but didn't go into detail, but uh, 1991's Hook, directed by Steven Spielberg. Great film. Great
0: film. Do your impression again, Liam.
2: He's, it's when he's trying to kill himself and he's going, "I'm gonna do it, Smee! Don't
3: try and stop me!" What are you doing, Smee? Stop me! <laughs> that's it, <yeah>. <laughs> <laughs> yep, that's the one. This is like, what do you think of this? Do you like Hook, Aaron? Have you seen it? Love it. Love it. It's Brilliant. Yeah. Our generation loved it. Like at the time, it was a massive, massive flop. Was it? Well, it netted three three hundred million dollars internationally on a seventy million budget. So pretty big budget for 1991. Mm. and made its money back. But I think um, it's like a scar on Steven Spielberg's career, like it's seen as. And I don't really really know why. So our boy Robin Williams plays Peter Banning, who's a workaholic lawyer, always on his phone, neglecting his family and his children. I think the first 10 or 15 minutes of the film, he's just constantly on his phone and not ignoring his children, but setting the scene quite well. He attends an event with his wife, but when he returns, he finds his children have been kidnapped and there's a ransom note left by Captain Hook. His wife's grandmother, Wendy, Wink, wink. Convinces him that only he can save his children because he is Peter Pan. No way. Yeah. Not Peter Banning, Peter Panning.
2: <laughs> <laughs> so, why does he grow up then? I thought Peter Pan never grew up.
3: Well, that's when he left Neverland, to go and live in normal life. Yeah, he lost the magic.
2: So, you only, you only stay young in Neverland, is that how it works?
3: Yeah, I think so. Tinkerbell gets him to Neverland. Now he doesn't believe he's Peter Pan, doesn't believe in any of these, like, you know, this is rubbish. But then when a fairy takes you to a make believe place, you'd be like, All right, you know, maybe I am Peter Pan But he still doesn't. <laughs> he um he has to forget about, you know, the great grey business, if you like, and um work and what he thinks he knows. And remember happy thoughts. Remember the scene in the cave, I like, think happy thoughts, to get him to fly again. And when he does, he um He becomes Peter Pan again. He has to win over the new leader of the Lost Boys, Rufio, Rufio, Rufio. Oh, come on, let's do it again. Ready?
1: (laughs) Rufio, Rufio. Rufio. It's not going to be in time, though, that's the problem. I'll do two
3: Rufios, (laughs) then everyone say Rufio, okay? All right, yeah. Are you ready?
2: It's still not going to be in time, though, Carl.
3: It will be, ready? Yeah, sure. Rufio, Rufio, Rufio. 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 (laughs) Forget it. And so then Rufio Rufio (laughs) gives him his um, gold sword, which is pretty sick. I remember thinking that's a sick sword when I was a kid. And he flies off to go and murder Captain Hook and get his children back, which he does with a crocodile. So Mm. Peter Banning, or Peter Pan, got so consumed by work that he forgot that he was Peter Pan. So think happy thoughts. Think about what you're missing out on. You could be Peter Pan.
0: This is a really good example. I. I wasn't expecting this. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, you did something right. (laughs) (laughs) And you've just, you've explained it really well. I just, (laughs) we've reached new heights. (laughs) Maybe I can post. (laughs) Yeah,
3: so, uh, yeah, that's my example. I think you should um, realize what you, be who you are, not who work makes you. Oh, that's beautiful.
0: That is a great episode. Uh, fuck. That is a, <laughs> another great episode <laughs> brought you by Edgar Allan. <laughs> yeah. That is a great example to finish the episode on, Carl. You've outdone yourself. One minute you're just doing shorter plot descriptions, and the next you're just hitting it out of the park. One day maybe we'll let you host an episode. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not ready. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, so has anyone got anything else to any last advice for Fireman Sam before we wrap up the episode just to leave him with? No, uh, no more advice from me. It did remind me of Tiana from Princess and the Frog. She's obsessed with work. She's uh, She thinks that she hasn't got time to have fun because she needs to devote every waking minute to saving up for that restaurant that her dad always wanted to own but never did. And it takes turning into a frog to teach her that you've got time to have fun every now and then. So uh, maybe Fireman Sam should watch out. Don't don't turn into a frog to learn your lesson.
1: That that film
2: really hit me for six when I watched it. It blew my mind because for probably since ever since it came out, whenever it did, I'd always assumed that the princess and the frog were like two characters who were in it together for the whole thing. And then she turned into a frog herself. And I was like, what? <laughs> and
3: well, but There probably, is a frog
0: yeah. as well. There is a separate frog, isn't there?
3: Yeah. Some, some insight for the listeners. Um, when we went to record in person, our background music was the Princess and the Frog soundtrack. <laughs> that Aaron absolutely adores. Oh, yeah. <laughs>
1: it's true. Three burly um... lads sitting drinking beer, listening to <laughs> Princess and the
0: Frog.
2: It's Randy Newman so, though, isn't it?
0: Because... So. Mm. My favourite people in the world, are camp Disney villains. <laughs> <laughs> Jafar, um, the Shadow Man, love them. They're my idols. They're your friends on the other side. He's got friends on the other side. <laughs> so, Sam, listen to all the uh, advice we've given you there and stop thinking about work because you're missing your children growing up. And if you haven't got children, then you're just ruining your life. And that's the end of that. <laughs> <laughs> and with that, that's all we've got time for today. So check out the episode notes or agonyartpodcast.com to find links to all the media we mentioned today, and for a link to the Agony Art Spotify playlist where you can listen to all the songs. If you've got a problem you'd like us to attempt to solve, you can reach us on our group Instagram and Twitter accounts at Agony Art Podcast or on the submissions page on our website. I would like to thank our resident Agony uncles for their contributions. Thanks, Carl. Thanks, Liam. Thank you. Merci beaucoup. <laughs> and thank you for listening. We'll be back next week with more problems to muddle our way through and more entertainment for you to check out. See you later. See ya. Booyah. But
1: I'd suggest keep it light because their advice can be shite and they won't be held liable. Oh no, not at all, not here. But agony are. Agony are. Agony are.